Derek, how we doing, man? You tell me. It's been like uh, three weeks. Well, it's been a little bit. Yeah, it's uh, two, two and a half, something like that. But hey, you know, let's start how we start everyone off. Absolutely. Cheers, boys. Yeah. Uh, Cheers. Notice, uh, I said, boys, we have somebody with us today. Who's that? Well, I mentioned him actually in the last podcast. Uh, probably the best deer hunter I know. Uh, this is Jade Adams, good uh, buddy I met. Uh, Jade. Hey, how's it going, guys? Uh, Jade Owens here. Um, hey, thanks, Guy. Derek, thanks for having me. Um, looking forward to the interesting conversations we get into. So, uh, real quick, where you, uh, tell everybody where you're from and, uh, you know, how long you've been being in the outdoors or enjoying all the outdoors? Well, I was uh, born and raised in a small town called Waverly, Tennessee. It sits about um, five miles. The Tennessee River, Kentucky Lake portion, um, which is the sportsman paradise. It's, uh, Kentucky Lake is a, um, it's literally a lake on the Tennessee River that's uh, dammed up uh, 93 miles in between. So it has everything, largemouth, smallmouth, great waterfowl, um, literally anything you want they have. Um, yeah, 17, I um decided to move move away and uh, move up to Delaware for work. Uh, learned to be an aircraft mechanic. So I've been here for the past uh, little over seven years and uh, just making the most of it. Delaware is uh, a great state. It's small, has a lot to offer, but uh, I enjoy it. If I can back you up real quick, when you say where you're at in Tennessee, is that on the west side, east side, central? So Tennessee is split up in the three portions. You have West, Middle, and East. Um, I'm in the Middle Middle Tennessee portion, which is so Middle, like the w most Western part of Middle Tennessee, and the Tennessee River divides that West and Middle. I have family that lives over on the Western side of Tennessee. So when you tell people about Tennessee, they're like, "Oh, that's not Tennessee." Yeah. yeah there's no there's no mountains or hills over there, you know. And it's like, well, they live in Tennessee. Yeah, uh, Western Tennessee is actually very similar to uh, Delaware. It's very flat, lots of uh, marsh and uh, cropland. So they live near Union City, Paris, that area, right on the border of Kentucky, Tennessee. Yeah, so uh, I'm, I'm about 30 minutes south of Clarksville, Fort Campbell area, if that uh, rings the bell. Uh, Nathan Bedford State Forest, right in that area. So what was your favorite thing to do growing up? Every literally anything uh, outdoors. I'm huge into uh, motocross and trail riding. Um, anything to anything outdoors really is the only thing we had. We lived uh, 13 miles from the nearest Walmart and, and school. So uh, I like that's how everyone can gauge where they grew up and like the population size is based off of Walmart. You know, yeah, yep. <laughs> yep. like where I grew up, we uh, now going back there. I think there's four WalMarts in that one town. Really. Yeah, they're, they're uh, going up quick. Crazy. Well, that's awesome. So growing up, you did a lot of fishing, I assume, summertime? I did. did. Um, 
lots of bass and smallmouth. We uh, we would trot line a lot. That's a, that's a big thing on Tennessee rivers, trot lining for catfish. Uh, we do limb lines, uh, jug lines. Jug lines is really fun. You literally just take like a gallon milk jug and tie a little, like a six foot leader to it and throw 20 of them out and just watch them. You just so like, I have to ask now that you robbed catfish, did you ever noodle? No, no I've never, I never <laughs> noodled. Um, I'm brave, but I'm not that brave. Um, I mean, it props to the guys and women that do it, but that's just not my cup of tea. Yeah. It's always been unsettling to me, like the thought of yourself being. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've seen some of the snakes and uh, the critters that, that swim around in that river, and um, you, you couldn't pay me enough money to stick my hand. Even you know, worse, just go a little further south, right? Go down into like Louisiana. Now you're getting into not only snakes and snapping turtles, but now you have alligators. Yep. And they don't care. They go wading into water you can't even see. Your waist. Feel around for a hole and just stick your hand in it. Yeah. Hell, nope. my st- <laughs> very uneasy nope. feeling. My stepdad is from uh, Louisiana, and he that's where he learned how to uh, water ski was the, the swamps. And like he was telling me this, I'm like, how are your parents okay with this? Like, like if he's like, well, it was motivation not to fall down. And then he also was telling me like how uh, his dad would like take him hunting. He would drop him off on one end of the swamp and he would go to the other and just make him walk all through the swamp, swamp, just pushing squirrels and everything over to him. It's definitely a different uh, (laughs) way of life down there. They probably don't think anything of, you know, the alligators and, uh, all the critters running around there that want to get you. Apparently not. I don't know if we might have to scoot the table closer or something, but I feel like you are pretty far away, and I'm not sure how you're hearing it on your end or not. I don't. I, I don't know. Like, I'm. I'm just trying to figure out what's the best sound. How about that? As as well as everyone's comfortable, right? Yep. So I will say, growing up in Florida, I was very numb to the idea of I was going to ever be bitten by an alligator or a shark while surfing or any major hazard in the woods at all. I was just a kid. We'd go run around out in the woods, go surfing all the time with sharks. You see them. Uh, Same thing, going every single lake, go wakeboarding, wake surfing, all that fun stuff. Only once can I ever remember there actually being a situation where my best friend slung me off the rope and brought me close to like the cattails and weeds growing in the lake. And I'm terrified of nasty water. So I just naturally let go. Like, you're not going to throw me into those reeds, you know? So I just let go fall. And he uh, brings the boat up to me, and I'm floating on my back, looking up, just hanging out. And my now wife, my girlfriend at the time, she was like, hey, is that an alligator? And I, like, look, and maybe from me to the island over there, an alligator, probably four or five foot, right? Just floating on the surface. And that was the only time where I was like, hey, get me all the water, man. Give me all the water. So we get up in the boat and no one wanted to get in the water after that. So we end up leaving and going to a different lake. So I never was, I was never really worried about like the, the hazards or dangers of what Florida offers. But now that I'm a parent and I go back home to visit grandparents and my dad lives on a small little pond that I'm sure has alligators, it's Florida. Anywhere there's water, there's going to be an alligator. Yeah. And now I have a seven-year-old who wants to go feed the ducks early in the morning down by the water. And I'm like, dad, have you ever seen an alligator? He's like, no, son, I've been here 13 years. I've never seen a gator. Well, I don't want the first time you see one to be when my daughter's down there feeding the fucking ducks. Do I I'm like, Bailey, get back, get back, get away from that water. She's like, no, oh, what, what, what? I'm like, just, I don't like it, but it's like, 
think about when you were a kid, you were so numb to Well, at least in Tennessee, you don't have bears. Yeah, no, I've never uh, seen a bear in middle Tennessee. Uh, apparently they're, they're starting to make their way West, but, um, you don't have cougars, right? Oh, that's, that, that actually is something that's, that's a great topic to bring up. Um, there has been multiple sightings here within the last uh, 10 years and TWRA, which is, you know, they're Tennessee's den wreck. Um, they blew it off. They blew people off for years. And then uh, they started getting evidence, you know, trail cam pictures and then like, you know, uh, a lot of people would see them on the roads. So it is, it, they finally confirmed it, that there are uh, mountain lions in middle Tennessee. And they don't want to, they do not want to admit that for being here in Delaware either. And I work with a guy who has a trail camera out and he has pictures of a cougar on his trail camera in Delaware. Really? And he showed it to a guy that works for Denrec and they just blew it off. Yeah. They, I, I don't think they, they don't want to scare the, uh, you know, people. I mean, I see that. And also I see the whole, the coyote situation here. Same thing. We don't have them here. Yeah, we do. You seem dead on the side of the road near Wilmington and stuff. There's no reason why they wouldn't be here. Why wouldn't they be here? No. If there's a food source. Well, like landscapes changing, you know, the weather's changing and, you know, animals, they, they react to that accordingly. You know, um, their habitats being taken away. So they have to branch out, you know, and, and uh, find new, new land to explore. Could you imagine black bears coming down from Jersey into Delaware? Oh, people would lose their minds. I mean, I even, I, but black bear habitat's a lot different than what a lot of Delaware's landscape is, though. I mean, I've been out kayaking in central Florida in the swamps, and I've seen black bear. Oh, that's fair. I, for, I always forget that Florida has black bear. I can only ever remember seeing two my entire time growing up in Florida, so for 21 years. But it's the fact that they are there, and now they're there more now than ever. Population growth has pushed uh, the woods, you know, so they have to now find themselves a new home, which is your backyard. Why not, right? You throw away garbage. You leave something out. Yeah, I mean, that's their nature. They're scavengers. Well, and then, like, recently, there's been a lot more, in the past couple of years, there's been a lot more grizzly attacks in the western part of the United States and, you know, northwestern part of North America. And a lot of that is because, one, um, their habitat's being encroached on, but two, um, because of COVID, so many people decided to take up hobbies that were outside. So now more humans are in these areas and there's now a whole lot more encounters with these things. Yeah. So please tell me that you watch alone. Can't say I've seen it. Oh I'm, my God. I'm, I'm finishing up the most recent one right now. Season nine. Oh no. Eight. Yeah. No, they have season nine out already. Oh, I haven't seen it. What is it? On, yeah, yeah. It's not on Netflix. It must be on Hulu. Uh, I'm not sure which one it is. I'm on eight right now. So oh, I'm okay. uh, on episode like six or whatever. It's the one where the grizzly comes in that girl's camp. She starts crying yeah. and she's trying to quit because of the grizzly and she's fighting with herself. I don't know if I should quit. There's, there's a bear here, but I don't want to quit because of a bear. It's been there for the last 27 days too, hasn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm a little bit further than you. It it, it, it gets pretty good, but yeah, actually um, these guys had to basically we're, they're in the Southwestern part of Canada and they're encountering grizzlies all the time. And like, it's basically the survival show. They have to uh, survive longer than the other nine participants that they're with. Okay. So we're skipping over a lot. So the whole premise of the show is they take 10 individuals, they get 10 pieces of survival gear and they go push them out into remote areas of wherever they're at. And they're miles from anyone else. 
and it's called alone because the whole idea is you're alone. Whenever you have enough and you quit, you quit. And it's whoever survives the longest, the last man standing or woman standing wins. And for the first six seasons, it was like $500,000. In the first couple seasons, it was only like, I think the guy only lasts like 39 days. And then they got, uh, went to Patagonia one episode and everyone's thriving, catching fish and just really? beautiful down there. And everyone's lasting into like the 50s, I believe. My memory might be a little bit wrong. But season, I think six, they did it where they took them up to Slave Lake, Canada. And where they start them in, I think, October going into the winter. And they have 10 people. They get 10 pieces of gear. And this, this show, it was a minimum of 100 days you had to last. And even if two of us, three of us last 100 days, you still then battle it out. And you don't know. You're just there until the camera crew shows up one day and says, you won. So you don't know. You, this is just indefinite. So the guy who won, spoiler alert, he uh, lasted the 100 days. And then everyone else had already quit by then. But they were just like, he's not quitting. Let him go. And he won a million dollars. Wow. So it's kind of like naked and afraid, just not as... Uh, yes and no. You had more, more gear. <laughs> I hate the idea. I like Naked and Afraid. I hate the idea of it's just a who can go through the shit for 21 days to be on a TV show. Here's a pot. Here's something to start a fire with. Can you last? Can you starve for 21 days? Versus this, being someone who is a huge enthusiast for survival, this is the best show that shows what a real life situation would be like to what your psyche slash physical condition is. Because when they picked him up after 100 days, it was negative 40 out. Oh, wow. For yeah, a million like, dollars. There are no shit scenarios. Yeah, that's that's life-threatening there. Like it, it can go south real quick. Oh, what, bears? Cougars? I, I think it was season two or three, maybe. There was one where this lady's sleeping in a shelter she made, and this freaking black bear walks right into her shelter. She's laying in her sleeping bag. It's all filmed, and she blasts the air horn and starts screaming at the bear, and now it's curious. There's food. There's food source, right? Yeah. It's a great show. Yeah, I'll have to check it out. You mentioned uh, cougars and mountain lions. Uh, when I was just in Ohio. The uh, um, Vinton County, uh, which is the neighboring county to Ross County, which is where I live or where I'm from, uh, somebody on a trail cam caught a picture of a uh, of a mountain lion rolling through there. And you've been through there, so you know it is kind of it is pretty hilly and everything. Yeah. In that in those areas, um, but yeah, which uh, it, and it's funny. The first thing I did, I, I sent that picture to Derek because I know how much he's he hates uh mountain lions he's uh, I think that's, that's what you're that's your greatest fear in the woods isn't it it's not that I don't hate mountain lions I hate the idea of mountain lions it's the idea that it's a like think about your house cat a little 18 pound house cat will fuck up your arm oh yeah I can mess you up no make it a 175 pound cat that its only instincts in life is to survive and eat and breed I've had a few encounters over the years I've been in the woods and every single time it just reminds you that this is nature. Like when you are close to one to where you realize there's no glass, there's no chicken wire, there's no rebar, there's nothing stopping that cat from attacking. Yep. And they're very sneaky. You will never know they're there until you, you know, only know they're there because they want you to know they're there. We used to have to put sunglasses on the back of our heads and go walk around because the whole idea is they're ambush predators. So they need the element of surprise. So they would tell us to put our sunglasses on the back of our head so it looks like you have eyes. Yeah. So even though they see, they don't know sunglasses versus eyes, but they see that and then they would lose their ability of stealth. 
Oh, that's smart. Scary. Sort of, it's fucking yeah, scary, man. That's smart. That's our best defense we have is put our sunglasses backwards. It's it's tricking them. Yeah. Yeah, I've always thought so if I had a hundred pound dog on me, I'm pretty sure I could fight a hundred pound dog off me, but you get a hundred pound cat and they they latch on you those calls, I don't think there's any no way something get, that get it off of you. Climbs trees for fun. You know, like Yeah, there's you you'd be screwed. We've dealt with quite a few biologists and it's interesting to see that a lot of them don't fear wolves, even though we had a really good or healthy wolf population. They don't fear wolves. The one guy was telling me, he's like, I don't even carry my spray anymore. I've been in the middle of a den, looked around. They're all surrounding me. I'm not scared at all. Well, so they're just, just as surprised as you are. But it's the idea of, but what about a cougar? He's like, oh, I always carry a pistol in his cougar, though. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah, I like Tennessee. I don't uh, <laughs> I don't have to worry about alligators. Used to not have to worry about cougars, but uh, what about ticks? Oh, ticks are horrible. Yeah. It's just ticks are everywhere though. Everywhere. Megan's actually in a uh, doing a a bug class, entomology class over in Ohio right now. Um she so she gets to stay in Ohio an extra week, lucky her, I guess. Um but she's was telling me today how she they were learning about uh how if you have a heavy deer population, your chances of having ticks with Lyme disease go down significantly because deers don't get Lyme disease. Oh, so they can't spread them theoretically. Theoretically. That's, 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 that's the crazy. That, that, that's what she just told me. I, I didn't fact check her on it, but that's what she just told me. As a matter of fact, let me pull up my phone and I'll just read that. Let me just make sure I didn't just uh, butcher that. Yeah. Let me. Well, that because there's so many different diseases out there that are just like mammal specific, but why would it what are species specific? So why would it stop it at a human versus a deer? Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not really educated enough to really speak on that. I'll tell you a fun fact real quick slash get into a story and then we can move on from this. But uh, what's the closest living relative to a bear? Closest, closest living relative to a bear. Raccoons. Really? Yeah, they're in the same family, the same genome, if you will. So uh, where the story gets fun now is last year we had a uh, 100%. I'll show you a video after this, but uh, we had a raccoon in our backyard here that definitely had rabies. Showed a lot of people the video. They're like, oh, yeah, things definitely has rabies. I was like, yeah, I know. And it, rabies is actually pretty common in Delaware. So uh, sure enough, this year we have another one. And I didn't do it. I didn't kill the one last year. I just let it go, whatever. And it was, I found it in my garage. I had my garage door open. And I walk out there. We're still building up the house. And this thing was laying in my garage, seizing, foaming. And I was like, are you kidding me? And the girls were outside playing. So neighbor came over. We got out of the garage. It ran away. I freaked out because I was barefoot. And come to find out, if you even step in their saliva and you have a cut, you can transmit rabies through just that cut. And it's stepping in saliva. Really? I was always like, it has to bite you, right? So now we have another one. Uh... I didn't. I never saw it, but the neighbor took videos and pictures of it, and they called the cops one day, and they couldn't catch it. They had animal control come out, and they wanted like five hundred dollars to remove it. So on Sunday, we're sitting here having dinner, and there's a knock at the door, and the neighbor comes over and is like, "Hey, it's here." I was like, "What?" So I'm not even wearing. I have shorts on. <laughs> you know, I have shorts. I'm not even wearing shoes. Nothing. So uh, 
I literally go walking out the front and I'm like, where is this? And she goes, Oh, it's underneath the, the neighbor's car. So I look under the car and this raccoon is up under the car. She's trying to get in the wheel well, but it's definitely has a paralysis and it's back legs are not working. It's rolling around. It's acting drunk, the common phrase. So I'm sitting there staring at like, dang it, man. And all these kids are out in the neighborhood playing right here in the yard or the cul-de-sac. Yeah, you got to do something about it. So I was like, what do I do? So I called the rabies hotline. It's Sunday. No one answers. I called the, the, the state police and they're like, we're not going to do anything about it, to be honest. Nothing we can do. And I was like, all right, well, I get that. I got the message. So uh, I came back to the house here and grabbed a shovel and uh, pulled it out from underneath the car. And it was foaming at the mouth, spitting, rolling around. Like I said, its back legs was, were not working. So all in front of all these neighborhood kids, my daughter standing there, I'm like, sorry, guys, I'm, I'm going to do it. So I just smacked it with a shovel and laid there. And I was like, all right. So I'm like, well, what do you do? I can't bury it, right? Someone's going to dig it up and eat it. And that's how you spread rabies. So I was like, well, the other option I have is to burn it. Well, we're in a burn ban. It's like seven o'clock at this time. I'm not going to start a fire just to burn a raccoon. So I triple bagged it and threw it in the garbage can out there. Yeah. And I called and left the message. I was like, hey, the rabies hotline, come get this freaking raccoon. Like literally, we need to know. And no one's returning my phone call, nothing. Wow. That tells you how serious they take it. Yeah, I think uh, if I was in that situation, I mean, you obviously did the right thing, dispatched it. Um, I don't think, I think the best way of disposing of it would probably sink it in the swamp, crabs to take care of it. Well, I thought about that, but even out here in the swamp, you see foxes using oh. that as a run, like a throw through. He's got a bunch of foxes back here. Does he? Yeah. And that's what I was worried about, spreading it, right? Yeah. That, yeah, that's why you'd have to sink it. Yeah. So I guess now, tie a rock to it. I guess you could tie a rock to it, but I mean, you, you would have had to have killed it first. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But in my mind, I was like, the less I have to touch this thing, the better. So I triple bagged yeah. it, duct taped the bag all up. Just, it's a mess. And I was like, this not how I want to spend my Sunday night, but the idea yeah. is I had to get rid of this. Even I called 911 back and I was like, and like yeah. to be yeah. honest, you did the right thing. It'll go out to Sandtown and get buried out there. It's landfill. Yeah. But what's so scary is I went down this rabbit hole Sunday night, tucking my daughter in a bed of rabies. There's so many videos on YouTube of like in the 50s, there was a guy who famously got bit by a wolf who had rabies. I didn't know what it was. They were still studying it. So they cha shackled him, chained him to a bed. And over the course of the two weeks for the rabies to develop of no signs and symptoms to full on rabies, he, him being rabid, they had him chained to a bed and just documented the whole thing and watched him die. Wow. And so over the course of days, like he's alive, he's alert, he understands what's happening. But his body, you know, just, so I'm like, damn, is that going to happen to me? <laughs> you know, I got a little bit of blood on me, you know, and I was like, dang it, what, what am I like supposed to do now? But according to the CDC, it rabies does not transmit through blood. It's only through the saliva, spinal fluid, or even eyeballs. Huh. Interesting. Is there even a treatment for rabies in humans? Not once there. you uh, start showing symptoms. Yeah. So. Once again, I went down this rabbit hole pretty deep. So it can lay dormant in you for about one to three months. So that's why they say as soon, kind of like Lyme's disease, the second you think you're exposed, start treatment and they can treat it. But once you show signs and symptoms, it's a 99.9% .9 fatality rate. Yeah, it's just too far gone. We had a lady here in Delaware in 2016. She got bit by her cat. Cat had rabies. She didn't know. And the next thing you know, she died. Oh, wow. That was only 2016. And it's so, I mean, it's just so hard to believe that in this day and age, we don't have something for that. 
how scary is that idea? That too? is, it actually is terrifying. And it's just like one more way that like, you know, nature can still mess you up, man, in multiple different ways. Did you ever see Cujo growing up? No. You never saw Cujo? Yeah. I Stephen never watched Cujo. Cujo. No. Yeah. Literally, it's the same thing, you know. Thing got bit by a bat, a dog, a St. Bernard, and then they show up to the farm and the thing's rabid and starts killing everybody. And uh, just for everybody's, because uh, I know you're dying to hear it, um, it's not, so I said significantly lowers. It's just a lower risk. It's not like a, I don't think it's anything like super significant. But yeah, she said, but yeah, she said, uh, she just learned that in areas with high deer populations, there's a lower risk for Lyme disease because deer can't catch Lyme disease or any tick borne diseases. So there you have it. Interesting. Learn something new every day. Yeah. So now going to the idea of you growing up hunting and on the idea, we'll, we'll eventually get there, I promise. But, uh, Chronic wasting disease. Do you guys have that pretty bad in Tennessee? So that is a uh, that is a big issue in Tennessee. Actually, uh, it's, it's it's so bad that you're technically not allowed to transport any f- uh, deer flesh across state lines. That's crazy. Yeah. So no no meat. And if you transfer the uh, so if you got a deer caped out, it had, the uh, skull has to be boiled, the hide has to be tanned before you can transport it. So if you don't mind, are you pretty spun up on what CWD is? Uh, chronic wasting disease. Uh, I've actually physically seen deer. So that's what I was getting at. Can you explain it a little bit more in case someone's listening? They don't know what it is. So from what I've seen, uh, when it really started getting bad, where it hit my area where I'm from, Middle Tennessee, it was, I want to say, like 2008, 2010 time frame. It was a very hot summer that year. Um and you would see a lot of deer dead on, on the creek banks. So every it was still very new back then. So everybody was like, you know, scratching their head about it. And then um, they started releasing more information about it, like formal information online. And we were reading up on it. It's uh, if it affects, it swells their throats up and they end up dehydrating. So naturally they're down by the creeks or the streams trying, trying to drink water. But since their throats all swollen up, they, they, they can't, they end up dehydrating pretty much and dying right there next to the body of water. That's kind of the same with rabies. When I went down that rabbit hole is it's very difficult and painful to swallow. So you're not hydrating. And that's why they foam at the mouth because you have cotton mouths essentially. So same thing with going, getting into mm-hmm. chronic wasting disease. And I was reading about that. And it's just so mind blowing to me that this is like the closest thing we have to like the zombie virus. As silly as that sounds, which true, like your brain is literally melting in your head. Yeah, it's like it's almost like mad cow disease. It is, and that's what I've yeah. understood it too. Is it's the closest thing that we have mad cow disease to the deer population. Yeah. Yeah, Luckily, it's, we don't. It's, it's, it's a really sad sight when you see a deer affected by it. It's really, really sad. I mean, are they taken in such a like staunch posture that is it you kill that animal or do you leave it alone? Like, what do you do? Well, my morals be my morals are if I if if I see an animal suffering, it's no matter the season or the situation. I think the most ethical thing to do is to put that animal down. I agree with that hundred um, percent. As it, far as like the law goes, I, I'm not really sure uh, what TWRA wants you to do. But in my in my mind, if if I was to witness it, that's what I would do. I would put the animal down. Luckily, we uh, we haven't. There hasn't been any cases in Delaware yet. I don't think. Um, so in our neck of the woods, but, um, Jade, I probably, I, I 
definitely agree with you on, the, on like the ethical aspect of that because I mean it's a death sentence the second they yeah. the, the second they have it and I I would imagine that the uh, you know the game wardens or uh, you know DNR whoever the uh, state wildlife agency was, was even if you were to tell them about it they would be dispatching it and except, and they would except they would probably collect samples for tests and things like that but um, you're hearing you're hearing a lot more about it though. Yeah. Well, it's because it's so real. There's no cure for it, and it's easily transmitted yeah. to all the way down. It's just their saliva can be on a plant, and then another deer comes by and eats the plant, and next thing you know, death sentence. Yep. I know uh, other parts of Tennessee. It's like so certain count. There's 96 counties in Tennessee, so obviously some some counties are hit really hard by it. And they say any deer you kill, you have to take it to the CWD uh, treatment center before you can take it home. Would you hypothetical eat the meat from a known CWD case? So before you answer this, Jade, everything I've read on it and everything I've heard about it is that it does not transfer to humans. Yeah, well, I guess that's the same argument as uh, when we kill these ducks and they have rice breast in them, which is a uh, parasite. Um, honestly, no, I probably wouldn't. Yeah, um, <laughs> live another day. <laughs> I, it's not transferable. Um, There's always a first, by the way, guy. It's not transferable oh, to humans. There's always a first. There is. You're you want to be patient zero? Correct. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I would hate to throw it off in the ditch, or you know you know, discard of it. But uh, at that point, uh, there's plenty of other deer out there. And well, you don't want to discard it because if you no, because if you leave it out there, you're guaranteeing something else is going to spread to something else. It's the same with the raccoon. I just said, throw it out in the swamp, which I was debating. A fox comes by a scavenger eats on the, the raccoon out there and boom. Yeah, that's that's you have to take it to the authorities. It's like every zombie movie ever, dispose. right? It's every zombie movie ever where they think they got under control, and then that one guy, what twenty eight days later, where he goes and it's his wife, and he feels bad, so he goes and kisses her. Next thing you know, he spreads it again, and now it's out of control. It's the same thing. Like you, I hear stories about hunters eating it, eating the meat. I don't know if that's a smart idea. Yeah, there's another deer out there. Yeah, at that point, it's not like you're being wasteful purposely, you know. I mean, because there's a difference between uh, managing a healthy population versus, you know, South Carolina suffered for a long time where they had so many deer, there's nothing to eat, they're going into a famine. And it's like, okay, so that's different than an actual disease epidemic plaguing a freaking natural resource. Yeah. Have you seen rice breast? I have. I've seen rice breast a lot uh, here in Delaware. It's. Um, have you ever seen it before? I haven't. It's. It's really weird. So when you when you skin the bird, um, it literally looks like there's rice inside the breast. But what it is, it's uh, it's actually pus pockets from where the parasite was swimming around through the breast meat, and it infects. Yeah. They say it's totally safe. Now, if there's if there's just a couple of the parasites in the breast, I'll eat it. But I've seen some where there's 50 of them in one breast, you know, and, and a mallard breast is not big. It's not big at all. It's probably the size of a hot pocket. So you have 50 of those pus pockets in there. It just, just grosses you out. 
but one or two is okay. Um, last year, I didn't see any. Did you guys? I didn't see any. Did? No, and we actually we got a fair number. We got a fair number of ducks last year. Oh, that and, was the best damn season I've ever had. Yeah, and I I didn't I personally have not seen a duck with rice breast yet. Um, I know you see. I like. I remember you telling me like when you were killing them, and I think you sent me the picture of them. So like I've seen. So like I've seen pictures of what it looks like, but like I said, like I was never there when he did it. When it when like he cut it open and then he sees it there, but. Um, no, last year I didn't see any. That's like, either. that's like when we kill the rabbit, you have a couple of different things you look out for, but you look mm -hmm. at the liver, the liver shows you how healthy an animal really is. And one thing that was very common was tularemia. So it's another parasite yeah. that literally just, and you see, as soon as you pull out the liver, you look at it and you're like, that is not a healthy liver. And it's just like you said, pus pockets, boils on it. I've, I've killed rabbits and you open them up and you look and there's worms in them. So the worm thing, we mentioned the alone show, and um, I'm not going to be spoiling too much for you here. Um, somebody caught a fish, and he guts it, and he pulls oh, – I'm sorry, no, it wasn't a fish. It was a duck. It was a duck. And he pulls um, pulls the, the the organs out, and you just see freaking worms galore, right? And um, he sits there, and he has that mental debate of do I eat it, do I not? He uh, cuts it open, you know. He, he he skins the meat out. He inspects the meat, and he's like, "Well, it looks good." And he eventually he eats the he eats the duck. Um, but it's like, man, I don't know. And it, but and then there's there's that aspect of, and we we mentioned this. In, you you mentioned it in the uh, last podcast when you asked me the question about would you eat a human being. There's that human thought aspect to it to where like another animal wouldn't think twice of eating that duck right but we would be like uh you know let's some of us would be like okay let's discard the organs and eat the breast meat and then where the other parts of us would just be like not eating that at all right if i can interrupt with an argument there's not another creature on this earth that gave us a fucking iphone though is there no, not at all. We can ration pretty well on is that healthy looking or not. And oh, absolutely. Quick to say, I'm not going to eat a duck filled with worms. I mean, I get survival. They're all starving, but that's bait. Yeah. That's bait. Catch a bird. Go catch a, I don't know, whatever else. Use the meat for it. Yeah, use you, the meat. If you use your head, you can use lots of it. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, I understand a bear. A bear is going to tear through that duck. Yeah. I'm not a bear, though. Um, so anyway, I, I brought up part of that because I wanted to ask Jade this question, which by the way, I, uh, I mentioned in the last episode asking my brothers, you know, if they would eat me in that scenario and they both said no. So I appreciate that guys. Um, they, they would not eat me in a survival scenario, but Jade, this is the scenario. And actually I'm going to, Derek, I'm going to let you explain the scenario a little bit. Um, cause you, you can explain the scenario better than me. Okay. You ready? Ready. There are some famous stories. Sorry, I'm scooting this table back. There are some famous stories out there that the two most famous that I can think of is the Donner Party or the uh, Miracle in the Andes. Both stories ended with human consumption. So to set it up, I'll just use the Miracle in the Andes story. They are a rugby team on their way. I think it was Uruguay to like Chile and they got into a crash in the Andes. Uh, forget how many people, a lot of people died and they're all stranded up in the mountains. 
people after days and weeks and weeks of no food, they ate all the little chocolates, all the little snacks, nuts and whatnot from the airplane. They look around and they notice that they're on a glacier, uh, dead bodies everywhere. You're starving. You have plenty of water. So one of the individuals looks over and looks at a dead body and realizes that open wound in his leg. Well, that just looks like a chunk of meat I normally eat. Don't look at the rest of the body. I'm just looking at that, that meat right there. Yeah. So he thinks about it and then he walks up to everyone else, sits down and goes, Hey, hear me out. We're starving. There's a resource right there. I understand that was your uncle, but that's meat. And all of them agreed that we've been thinking that too. I'm glad you brought it up first, but what do we do? So he went over and made the first cut. So in saying that, could you, would you eat human flesh? Well, it's obviously based on the scenario. If I'm in a frozen tundra where there is no uh, plant life, or the like, life is very scarce, then obviously I'm going to do what I have to do to sustain especially if I feel like there is a light at the end of that tunnel that I might make it out of here if I waited out long enough. Cause you know, if a plane goes down, they're going to look They're you know, they're going to be looking until they find you. Now say if I was, you know, in the lower 50, there's, you know, there's plenty of uh, plant life and uh, wildlife. I don't, I wouldn't see myself. Both of those of, situations resort to that. Both those situations, like even the Donner Party, they were snowed in, right? It was middle of winter. They were doing the pass, and they got snowed in. So the part of that is there's no resources. There's no plant life. Yeah. Even with the Donner Party, I think they were, like, boiling their shoes for the leather. They were drinking that and trying to eat the leather from their boots. I mean, you're at the point of you have nothing, right? So this is where it gets tricky. Both situations started with eating humans that were already dead. Miracle in the Andes, they didn't kill anybody. Donner Party, it's a little looted that they did kill people and eat them. So would you kill someone to eat them or would you just eat them dead? And number two would be, would you eat a family member? Wow. That's tough. (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) But it's it's a hypothetical. Yeah. Yeah, It's situational there again. If you know, us three are stuck in the frozen tundra and guy, he's not doing so well over there. And it looks like he's about to roll over and croak. And me and you are starving right now. Guy, I'm sorry. We're we're gonna sacrifice you, man. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I mean, I mean, if you're you're gonna die in the next couple of days, anyways, let's just go no, ahead and get you, put you out. I to totally agree. To be no, a bro, I I, to- I totally agree. I would do the exact same thing. However, you would have to be on death's door. Like, I'm not gonna like intentionally, like if if like we're all three like on the same level. I'm not gonna. I don't. I don't think I'm gonna like just snuff you out for the for the sake of having food. Right. You would have to be like on death's door. Um, would you be mad knowing that the minute you expire, we're eating you? I don't think I'd be mad. I mean, I don't know. I might haunt you a little bit, um, <laughs> <laughs> especially um, knowing like hunting, uh, what I'd that be, consists I, of, right? Right. I'd probably be like. Fuck, <laughs> but like I think at the same time I'd understand. Um, be like, well, this is gonna. Fuck. I don't. I, I hope I don't feel anything when I'm dead. <laughs> like, but um, no, I, I would think I'd understand, but at the same time, I mean, fuck, who knows? Right? It's just hypothetical, but 
with Miracle in the Andes, they were so messed up that I believe it was the Pope had to get involved. They're all Catholic. And they were like, we're going to hell forever. What we did is a sin. So they had to get the Pope involved. So it's like, how psychologically messed up would you be? At that point, who gives a shit? But what's so mind-blowing to me, and we were talking about this on the last one, is every day cannibalism happens. Outside my door right now, there's cannibalism happening right now. Oh, absolutely, yeah. But we draw the line with humans, right? So we're so numb to it, a fish eats a fish, a bird eats a bird, a bear eats a bear, whatever. But how psychologically messed up are you for eating another human? I don't know. I, I Honestly, I, I wouldn't be happy with myself, but if... You know, I just say you might have to scoot closer to the microphone. I'm losing I, you. I wouldn't be happy with there myself. Honestly, I, that's something I'd have to live with for the rest of my life, but... If but it, you survived. If it survived, if I, you know, it, it allowed me to survive and get out of that situation, then it is what it is. You know, and I, and I would think, guy, I think you would, you would, uh, you would understand that, you know. Yeah, I would understand. I would get, like, if, if I was a ghost or whatever, I would get, I would be pissed maybe for like the first 30 seconds and then I'd be like, well, at least they get a chance of surviving, you know, yeah. kind of thing. Like, at least they so, have. Would you be a full body ghost of guy now, or would you be a ghost of like the skeleton that we just ate the meat off of? <laughs> you just well, see a skeleton. I would, I would <laughs> you see half of his face. I would think you're the ghost of how you die. I don't think like once you die, you turn into a ghost, right? I don't think you lose pieces as you get eaten. <laughs> like you're just be you just be a ghost floating around, and you fucking lose your arm. You're like, oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> what? They must still be eating on me. <laughs> oh, there goes my head. <laughs> You're gonna be the frostbite ghost. <laughs> you don't have a boot on. <laughs> the Mister Deeds foot, just black. Oh man. Um, well, the good news is, is you are a hunter, and I think you'd be in that mindset of there's other options, and I have a skill set or experience I can use to benefit me in this environment or this situation. So then this brings me to my next question. If you were on that show, you had 10 items. What would you bring? Obviously flint, obviously machete. Well, hold on. Give him what, what landscape is he in? What's it? What's Oh, okay. I don't care. No, no, I don't okay. care. No, no, it's all environments. Okay. Get, clothing is clothing at this point, right? So just say okay. clothing is one article. Yeah. Okay. So flint, a Bowie knife or a machete, um, some sort of water filtration, something to boil water in. Um, basic, like a, a fishing, fishing kit, kit. Yeah. you know, just just basic fishing kit. They are allowed bows, or I guess it's a long bow on the show. Okay, but no rifles. Nope. I. Probably take my PSC. I mean, that thing's tried and true. Six arrows. Wow, that's some kind of uh, tarp. Yeah, yeah. Definitely have to stay dry. Wow, this is tough. I've never actually it thought is. about what I It is, right? <clears throat> but I like that we put you on the spot, especially knowing your experience or at least uh, you being familiar with the outdoors and you see where your brain is already at everyone just kind of goes down the same thing but i would even argue you messed up one item already water filtration. i think why would you filter water if you just said you could boil water yeah you're right I, 
I was going right. to say, I was going to yeah. bring that up. Yeah. Cause so for me, I would have brought like a ferro rod or something, some way starting the fire and then a pot, like some form of pot. So that way I could boil the water in it. There's very few things that's hard to replicate from the natural environment. Cause you can pretty much make anything right. But something to boil water in is very, I can't think of. Yeah. You can't make that. I, what are you going to use? What are you going to use? And you can, don't get me wrong. People use like bamboo and shit. You can find trash. Like, did you know a plastic water bottle? You can boil water in yeah. a plastic water bottle. Like, yeah, yeah, you can find plastic everywhere, dude. You can. But how crucial is a pot to be able to put a fish in to boil? Yeah. Could that that be your primary cooking method? Yeah. And the same uh, thing with like flint, magnesium, ferro rod, whatever you want to bring, right? So many people don't bring that. They're like, oh, I can do bow drill and that frees me up for another item. You know how proficient you have to be at a bow drill to actually be like, and if good, it's, and if it's rained, that you're you're shit out of luck. I mean, you can get to dry wood on the inside of any tree, right? But I mean, I watched that um, Les Stroud Survivor Man. He tried on an episode once, and it took him eleven hours of trying a bow drill, and he still couldn't freaking get it to start. And they did a time lapse thing at the bottom, like, look, it's been five hours, it's been eight hours, eleven and a half hours, and I'm like, Jesus, dude. Yeah, and by then you've you've wasted so much time, so much energy. You probably energy. have blisters on your hands. Yeah. Um, think about your moral, like, or not your moral. I'm sorry, your your psyche at that point too. Like you just failed at the most important thing yeah. in your life in this moment, Morale. and you failed at it. Yeah. You failed. So how many how many items did you get? So to? that's eight items. I have two items left. Uh, ninth item or eighth item. It would definitely be paracord. Yeah. So yeah, and you're missing probably the most important one too. I'm trying to think right now what he missed. Are you saying like uh, like a mirror? As far as no, you're, no. you're not you're not no, no, signaling no. for rescue. Nope. Well, I definitely want to take care of my feet. I mean, it's nice. It's some new socks would be nice. Clothing is clothing. I'll, clothing I'm just gonna, clothing yeah, is a thing. Okay, yeah. so we're not going there. Damn. Do you know what it is? I have a hunch. What? You talking about like a, a fit, like a gill net? No, he has oh, paracord. Oh no, you, oh that's right. You yeah. said he has a fishing yeah. kit. Fishing he has five fifty cord, right? Fishing yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, you're good. Mind. No, hold on. Let me think a little more. Um, Damn, you guys are missing like the most important one. I would say like a uh, multi tool or something. No, oh, because you already said you have blades. Um, you said, you said a knife. I know, but there's a lot right. of things you can do with a multi tool that you can't do with a Bowie knife. Or Fact. A Fact. Oh, okay. I know what it is then. What? Something to cut wood with. No, not like a like a saw blade or something. What? Because I would get rid of the filtration straw, whatever it was, yeah. and I would bring a multi tool or a better knife, and I would probably bring an axe. I'm really fucking good with an axe. Okay. Yeah. Versus, like you said, a Bowie knife or something, right? So at least my multi tool I can gut use. My axe I can really get after it, or even a saw. Some of these saws nowadays are so good. But you guys are missing like the most important one. Give us a hint. Hold on, I gotta think about this. I'm trying. I gotta think back now. You use it for one tenth of your life. Sip on that one. <laughs> I feel like you just. All right, you ready? Yeah. Do you know how important a sleeping bag would be? Ah, oh, shit. Yeah. Have you ever slept without a sleeping bag out in the outdoors? No. No. 
we used to do star shelters where we would just lay on the ground because we were too lazy. We didn't want to get up in the morning and tear down a shelter and pack our sleeping bag. So I used to just lay on the ground underneath the tree. You know how miserable a night of sleep is in a fetal position on the ground? Like in my own personal survival kit, I do these massive uh, yard bags for like uh, leaves and shit, right? When I say they're massive, I'm talking, I think the bag's six foot tall by like three foot wide. They're huge. They're huge tip of these bags. But anyway, I kept them. It's so easy just to like put that on the ground, stuff it full of leaves and moss and just get inside of that. Some kind of insulation under you as well. Yeah. Hmm. I don't know. I didn't think of a sleeping bag. I don't know. Maybe I think I was, I, th- I was thinking a little too hard about it. Well, my thinking behind it, if I had like all the clothes I needed, like I could layer up at night and not really have to worry about a sleeping bag, but doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. You got uh, no, like especially like the those nice sleeping bags, like what we have, like those help a lot. I remember uh, like a when, zero degree bag. Yeah, you know, I remember when you know when I was doing our, our whole deal and um, waking up in February in the mountains and you get out of the bag. Like yeah, you're, that's the worst. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like man. you're you're in the bag and then you're like oh, fuck, I'm really cold. And then you get out of the bag, you're like, oh, fuck. <laughs> this got a lot colder. It's so much colder. You're racing to get dressed to go go run to the fire. Or to be the first person up and you have to start the fire. I was never the first person up. <laughs> yeah. Okay, here's a question for y'all. If you had one firearm to take with you in that scenario, what would you take? One firearm? One firearm. I'll go ahead and answer. I think I would take a 17 HMR because, I mean, you can shoot from rabbits to a deer. You hit a deer just right with 17. You know, that's, I think that would be the best all around. But then look at the scenario that they're in. There's grizzlies. Yes. (laughs) Right? But you hit a grizzly in in the eye with a 17. You're just going to piss it off. It's going to keep coming at you. I doubt it keep coming at you. Uh, Dude, you'd be surprised. A grizzly? Have you watched the documentary Grizzly Man? I have not. I'm going to give you like homework. It's actually a very funny but terrifying documentary about a guy in Alaska who went and lived with grizzlies. He was was mentally fucked up. Yeah, I know the story behind it. Yeah. So to know they had to go and hunt that bear, and I think it took three shots from a .30-06 to drop it. Its paw span was 16 inches across. And, like, they don't think about always that. they don't always just run away because they get shot. Sometimes they just get pissed and are, they come after you. The most messed up video I've ever seen when it comes to hunting, and this is going to, like, put a negative light on our community, I would say, but it's a reality. Someone used a spear to spear a black bear, and it was a the homemade spear. It was a I think it was like a seventeen pound tamping post, and they just put like a nine inch blade on the end of it. And they're up in a tree stand, baited the deer or the bear in, and it was underneath. And they drop it, and it skewered that bear. And you think it would have killed it? It's a freaking spear through its its chest, and it was definitely alive for about fifteen more minutes, running around, screaming, pawing at it. It was an awful video to watch. Yeah, but it, I mean. Bears are, and that was a black bear. Tough. That was a black bear. Imagine a grizzly. Okay, so back to your argument. What would you bring then? Because I know, right? Because that rabbit. I yeah, I, I wouldn't. I, I wouldn't bring my thirty aught six out there. I was you're not going to shoot a rabbit six. with thirty aught yeah. six. Yeah, yeah I was going to say an aught six, but when you brought up rabbit, I was like, that's a great point. 
but you gotta think, right? Like, am I actually trying to go after a bear? No, I'm no. I'm self-defense, right? Yeah, so I, I'm yeah. not I'm not taking the gun for self-defense. I am taking the gun as a tool. A tool, yeah. Well, which self-defense it is a tool, but I'm not going after that bear, right? Yeah, that's a hard one. My Glock 40. <laughs> uh, no, I don't know. That's a that's a hard one. Is the Glock 40 going to put food on the table for you, though? Yeah. I murked some grouse with that thing before. Yeah, but what's what's your range? Inside, exactly. Inside. Well, grouse are also really dumb. Yards. I watched a guy stab a grouse once, and I was like, man, these birds are really freaking dumb. Exactly. You're going after, like I said, that rabbit, that duck, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. You Two. know what, Jade? I think you might be onto something. I think I might. I'm I'm leaning towards the 22 right now. Yeah, that's that's. I thought answer. about 22. Yeah, that's fair because you can knock a lot of things down with the 22. I'm I, I'm heavily I'm I, I'm thinking the 22. But you're also limited, right? You're not going to be dropping a buck with a 22. Well, no. Depends on which 22, because can you fire off multiple rounds? Because you, I think, I can probably bring a lot of ammo for 22. A brick of 500 is nothing. Yeah, it's not that heavy. No. Um, but you know, and then there's the debate: Would you rather have one deer or like ten rabbits? Well, if deer. It's in the, well, if it's in the summertime, um, deer. I need that fat. Yeah, so you can get that. You can take that thirty out six, get that one deer, and one day. Hell, it could take you. I guess you could always smoke the meat and preserve it that way. Right, because that's what so you have to do. You could utilize you could utilize that whole deer in the summertime. Yeah, if you smoke if you smoke it long enough, you take all the moisture out. It's not gonna it's not gonna spoil. Yeah. On one of the seasons, spoiler alert! You, I'm telling you, you have to go back and watch them all. There, it's an amazing show. So, on one of the seasons, a guy takes a freaking moose, drops the moose, preserves it all, freaking amazing. And in the middle of the night, a badger comes. And I want to say he had like 30 pounds of fat. It was a ridiculous amount of fat. It was like five gallons of fat he got off of that freaking uh, moose. So uh, he had it up in a tree. He built a elevated food preserve, which was kind of dumb because badgers climb trees. Uh, or it's a wolverine, excuse me. So this wolverine climbs the tree, eats all of his fat reserve in one night. You have to have fat. That's why I said uh, my argument against rabbits is they have no fat on them. You can actually die from eating just rabbits. Yeah, I've heard uh, stories about caribou. You can't sustain off caribou because there's no fat. Yeah. So. That's why with rabbits, like we always eat the eyes because there's fat in the eyes. Hmm. But how crazy is that? Like, this wolverine could have ended his entire time out there because it just ate fat. He took a moose, <laughs> you know? It's not like everyone else is starving eating mice. He took a moose. How would you? How would you store? Uh, the guy who food? won the million dollar one, he built the legit best example I can think of of a refrigerator slash food safe. And is it bear proof? Nothing is bear proof. However, it would have taken that bear a long time where it would have alarmed him to be able to go out and take care of the bear. Then, but he he stored a whole freaking muskox in it. But he uh, dig it in the ground and like lay logs down and stone and uh, partial in the ground because you want to use either the thermal effects of the ground yeah. or the refrigerating effect of the ground. So he, if I remember correctly, partially in the ground, but he just did two sets of posts. So he did like a post, six inches, eight inches, another post, 
and that way it secured the logs in the post like a log cabin. And then he just always, from every angle, secured it. So he had to do a puzzle to get it out. It's crazy. Huh. We built a refrigerator. We had to dig down into the ground. We went back like five and a half feet. It literally was like a tunnel. It went all the way down underneath this tree and back more. And we lined it with rocks. But even then, it didn't matter. The flies got in. It was, it was summertime. So maggots got on it and spoiled it. Crazy. Yeah, at that point, your only hope of preserving meat is smoking it, right? Yeah. Which is what I think, like, is like the nomadic tribes back in the day did a bunch of. So, like, back in, because, like, back in the day, they did the buffalo jumps where they would herd all those buffalo off of a cliff and then they would just set up at the like, camp and near the bottom of the cliff and process all these buffalo. And I would think the only way they could have actually done that and to get all the meat is to smoke it. Turn it into jerky. The only thing I can think of, or salt it. Speaking of jerky, you made goose jerky this year. I did. It was uh, a lot different. So have you ever had goose, goose jerky? Yeah, yeah. I want to yeah. hear your story. So he, Jay generally, he every deer he makes, he makes deer jerky. I don't always do it. Um, but I always say Jade's deer jerky is like the consistency of tree bark. I give him a hard time for it. However... I don't complain when he gives it to me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so it's like, um, but I like I like to give him a hard time. But the goose jerky was so much more chewy than the the venison was. You have a dehydrator? I do. I got a commercial size. I can uh, I can do a whole deer in it at once. Really? Yeah. Damn. I'm too cheap, so I just use the oven and crack the door. Oh, you got to get you one. I know. Eighty bucks, man. Eighty. I went to a class at REI and just I wanted to go hang out and like see what it was about. And the guy was telling us how to make jerky with the oven. And I was like, that's interesting. I never thought of that. You could just crack the door. Yeah, I mean, I've definitely done it like that, but it's it's not ideal for for me at least because I like to do a lot. Yeah. I, I try to kill two or three deer every year and just solely make them make jerky. And it, 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 it irritates me how you just yeah you know I get like three deer a year. And- I'm I'm good to go because like I'm still I'm still struggling to get the one <laughs> like every like, do, to make sure I get one every year. Do you do like a brine? I do. I do. Uh, the, the base, base is either Dale sauce, sauce or Allegro. Yeah, and then just go go from there. I made some mallard jerky once, and we just soaked it in soy sauce for like two or three days, and then same thing, just dripped it into the oven, let it just naturally. Or not, I want to say naturally, you know, it was pretty low, like 150, 200, if I, if I remember, like literally the lowest setting. And it left in there for hours, and we left the fat though on the the meat, the little bit of fat that there was, and it was amazing. And every time after that, I could never do this, can't replicate it. I'm like, what did I do so differently? Because it's hit or miss. What are you guys looking? At? We're, we're a month away, guys. We're we're it's August second. We're officially less than a month away from hunting season. What are you guys looking forward to most? Uh. Dove. I mean, Dove's first season opens up. I can't wait to go out there. I got a whole case of steel shot ready to blast. I think I've got like 200 rounds of steel shot ready to go. I have never been Dove hunting. It's so have fun. You, have you tried Dove? Yeah. 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 I've just have never gone Dove hunting order. Jade showed me my favorite way, and this is honestly for me, and I'm this is my favorite wild game dish that I've ever had. And it's um, smoked dove poppers. 
Jade, go and break that down for us because since you're the one, since you're the one who told me about it, I'll let you break it down. So as Guy said, you can literally do this with any uh, bird or any venison, and it's, it's simple. It's just jalapeno poppers. Um, yeah, you take the jalapeno, cut it in half. If you like it spicy, leave the seeds in. If you don't, take the seeds out. Slap full of cream cheese. Put your dove breast, your your uh, your back strap in there, whatever you, whatever you want to cook, and then wrap it in bacon. Smoke it for an hour or, or six, however much smoke you want. And then I always just throw it on the, the gas grill, get some char on that bacon. It is a crowd pleaser. So I think what, it never gets old either. I no. think what you told me was three hours at 250 with the uh, smoker. And, that, and that's what we did. And it was perfect. Was it? Have you I'm ever, just... have you ever heard someone complain about jalapeno poppers? No, no, that's right. <laughs> that's but... a, one of the very few things that like we can all agree on that. You bring it to a party, a cookout, you know, Super Bowl. Everyone eats it. Yeah, the only complaint I've ever gotten from a popper was somebody bit into a uh, a pellet. It was a duck. Oh, yeah, that probably. Well, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. They didn't know to expect it, but yeah, yeah. I mean, and I also forget some people. You have to tell them, hey, this is this is a wild bird. Wild. You have to, yeah. yeah, don't be chomping away at it. You know, knock on wood. I literally have never. <laughs> Never bit down on a bullet. That's good. I, That's I've not, had friends sit beside me. Luck of the draw, they grab that piece, not me. I've never bitten a bullet. Yeah, especially a still shot. shot. Oh, it's not very forgiving. Now, lead shot, it's not as bad, but still, it'll 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 ruin your day. Ugh. I had a friend that his dad was running for Congress in Florida, and they were doing a. A fundraiser event where they all went out and murked some Florida hogs and did a wild game cookout and great time. And while he was up on stage eating the hog that he harvested, he bit a bullet and it cracked his tooth completely in half. And while he's up on stage, everyone's looking around and he's like spitting out and he literally had a bullet in his hand. Mm. Gotta be careful. Crazy. So what's your guys' favorite wild game meal that you've had? I like them all. all right, but I mean, there's yeah. got to be one that sticks out to you. Favorite? That's favorite because it's easy to make. It doesn't take too long. It's probably the poppers, to be honest. Yeah. Elk backstrap or pheasant? I have never had pheasant. I want to try pheasant. I've never had pheasant either. White meat. Mm-hmm. Hmm. It's delicious. Um, while I was in Montana, I got to try elk tenderloin. And my goodness, that was really good. It's ridiculous that how good elk is and how under I don't want to say underutilized, but like it's not like a staple of our society's diet. It's so good. Well, I mean that's it's so good. It, like it's, it's the right same, there. It's the same thing with any wild game, pretty much, because I mean the probably the most hunted animal in the country is white-tailed deer, but still, the only way to get it is to hunt it. Yeah, you and can't buy we, it. Which which is such a far cry from where we came from because I mean for well over well over ninety percent of human existence, and I would even say probably ninety over ninety-five percent of human existence, we were a sh- almost entirely wild game based diet. It is funny though how many people complain about the wild gamey taste. It's like, well, is it that you have like that it has this taste or is it that you've only eaten beef your whole life? Right. Every animal tastes different. 
Yeah. Well, because, and especially like when you compare, let's, let's stick with the white tail deer. When you compare a white tail to a, like a cow at a beef farm, right? You like, you could have two deer standing next to each other in a field and both have entirely different backgrounds and they're in from birth to that moment when you're looking at them through a rifle scope or through your iron sights or whatever, and they're about to become dinner as compared to those cows in the dairy or in the, in the beef farm or whatever, where they've been fed the exact same diet. They've done the exact same thing. They've been living in the exact same place the entire time. Have you ever had Wagyu beef? I have. I have not. I wasn't it's, a big fan of it. No? It's, um, you can't eat too much of it. It's almost, it's almost like eating, like drinking butter. Yeah, it's so soft. The, the, the pleasure you get from biting into a steak and chewing, like mm-hmm. it's kind of gone. You literally, it's, it's like a gummy bear. Yeah, I was in uh, Japan mm-hmm. once and went to an all-you-can-eat uh, Wagyu, which is labeled all-you-can-eat A5 Wagyu. Well, they only brought you out one plate of A5, <laughs> yeah. which, you know, I devoured it. And then ate several other plates of like the lower grade cuts of Wagyu. Well, later, I felt awful that night. It was literally and like a, I love a gallon of butter. I love ribeyes. Ribeyes probably my favorite cut. But when I had it, same thing. I was like, yeah, it's too much. Yeah, it's something you you get one little little steak and you, you split it. Not something you make a meal of. I was at Airborne, and I became friends with the Joe that stood beside me. And he was uh, uh, now American, but before then, he was a Russian. His whole life, he grew up in Mother Russia. He was a Russian and goes, I uh, hate where I'm from. I want to change it. So he moved to America, joined the Army, got his citizenship, and now he's an American. And one day, we were uh, it was a weekend, and we are at the pool together hanging out. And I asked him. I was like, hey, man. His name was Mo. I was like, uh, what's your, uh, what, like, what do you miss most about Russia? Like, let's start with food. What's the number one food you miss most about Russia? You know what he said? Potatoes? No. What? Horse. I've had horse, actually. Really? I've had horse in yeah. I've So I'm the only asshole in the room that has had horse? <laughs> <laughs> really? Yeah, no. How, um, is it good? I mean, he, I he swore by it. He was like, no, it, it's really good. I didn't like it. You I know? wasn't a fan of it. I was actually eating breakfast, and uh, we were staying at a Marriott in um, Iceland. So they had you know, complimentary breakfast. Um, sitting there eating breakfast, and they had these sausage links. So I'm just eating away, and I take a bite of the sausage. It's like, that's weird. It almost tastes like venison. It's like livery, bloody. So I, so I asked the lady, hey, what kind of sausage is this? She was like, no, it's horse. Just casual. Oh, yeah, it's horse. <laughs> well, that's uh, you know, it's totally normal was, up there. Was that what, what Keklovic? The uh, airport it was, there. It was actually in Reykjavik. Yeah, Reykjavik. Yeah. Reykjavik. Yeah. yeah. I've I yeah, I've had it one time when we were in Italy. I didn't order it, but my buddy did. And um it was like it was like a meat topping on a salad. I don't know, it was weird. And but like he tried it. He's like, I don't really like it. I'm like, well, you know, I would, I'll, I'll try a bite, you know, just say I've done it. And I, did. I was not a fan. We so actually talked about this today, right? It blows my mind. There's that, that PETA billboard where it shows like the farm animals. And it's like, where do you draw the line? It's like farm animals to like your <laughs> yeah. dog, right? And I'm like, well, I, we saw that today and I laughed. And I was like, where do you draw that line? How weird is it that we can eat a cow, but we cannot eat? It's against the law to eat a horse. Someone said, well, it's because they're domesticated like 
bullshit. Go down to Assateague. There's wild horses on the beach. So can I hunt that horse and eat it? <laughs> you know, like, can I just blast that on and, the beach and like, yeah, I got a horse. Like, and I've seen plenty of cows that love to be pet. Yeah. There's yeah. domesticated yeah. chickens. It's not a domestication yeah. thing. Hell, I just went to Ohio. My dad's got four turkeys and yeah, I saw that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and they were, they were following us around like dogs, man. And actually it was funny because like it, my, my dad's getting pissed at him now because every time they get on the porch, they shit all over the porch. So it was like a game. Every time they would come to the porch, we would have to run outside, grab the garden hose, and squirt them with the garden hose and everything in like order the, to just chase them off. The foreshadowing picture you took of the one sitting on top of the grill. So before I was able to get to that, uh, take that picture. So three, we had a little backstory. My dad had just finished smoking um, uh, pork chops on that grill because he had a pellet grill. So he had just finished smoking them. And so he was, he left the grill open to kind of cool off and <laughs> we come out and there's just three of them sitting right there on the grill where this meat was. And, uh, I try, trying to race to pull my phone out and everything. And, uh, before I could get the camera out, um, two of them already jumped off and the third one was just standing. So I, I like, I took a couple of quick pictures real quick, tried to zoom in and everything and, it was just wild, man. And because, and like I was, when we first got there, they were, they were still in the cage because they were still, you know, a little young, but they were growing fast and he didn't want to let them go yet. But, um, the reason actually he decided to let them go while we were there, I think was because I brought my turkey call with me yeah. and while they were in the cage, I started, it was, it was a box call. I started scraping on the box call and, uh, I was getting the gobbler to gobble. <laughs> I was the, so I would I would scrape in the box call and he would answer he would he would gobble at me and then I'd wait a few minutes I'd do it again he, and he started puffing all up getting all big and bad because there's one tom and three hens and it was funny it was like the hens were getting jealous and pissed at him because they kept pecking at him <laughs> trying really? to trying to pick at his feathers and pluck his feathers out of him uh, or, or whatever it was funny it was like it, it was literally like they were getting jealous that he was talking to another woman. <laughs> Yeah, I love turkeys. That I so I had one when I was a kid. It was actually a a, a wild turkey that um, one of the old guys down the road he had caught, or I for, I forget the story. The mom got killed or something, and he picked him up on the side of the road. But um, I got him. I think I, I want to say it was like July, August, and we raised them all all winter. And he was just the prettiest thing. Like he looked like you know pristine nice turkey not like a, a domesticated turkey you know they're always missing feathers but it was so awesome having him around and he he thought he was a dog like he'd walk around with the dogs he'd play with the dogs like me and my mom would go take a walk guess who'd be coming with the turkey follow us down the road it but, is funny how you can almost domesticate any type of animal right <laughs> so you see pictures or videos of people with squirrels and raccoons and turkeys and same thing i just think they're a house pet yeah, it's it's funny you say that. Uh, my dad actually has a pet deer. I was I was gonna bring this up. <laughs> yeah, go on, did. go on. A pet deer, as in yeah. like, it's in the yard. A no shit pet deer that thinks it's a dog. Uh, so last last June, my mom was going to town, and there was a fawn standing on the side road. It was barely old enough to to walk around, and she noticed. She looked over in the in the ditch, and the mother was dead. Jeez. Well, my mom being my mom. She picked him up, took him, took uh, took the fawn back to my dad, and I was like, 
do something with them. And my dad's you know, like Dr. Doolittle. He, he loves animals. Um, so he, he bottle fed it. I think he bought, he said he bottle fed it for at least a month and they grew that bond. You know, Mac is his name. Uh, thinks my dad is his, his, his mother. Um, so fast forward, you know, a year now he's, he's big, healthy. He's, he's, he's a huge boy. Um, and he's got antlers. Dog. He's got antlers. Um, he, my, this thing lives, this thing has a dog bed. It stays in the house. My, my dad, dad has, has a dog, dog bed, bed for him. He is potty trained. So my dad, my dad lives in a cabin. He has a, uh, I guess like a, like a, like a swinging back door that doesn't have a lock on it. So the dogs can come in and out as, as they, as they please. And I guess Mac, he just learned from watching the dogs that you don't, you don't, you know, you don't go in the house. He goes out in the yard. He comes and goes as he pleases. He eats dog food. So this is where I have a problem with all of that. Do you know what happens around like September, October, November with bucks? Yeah. <laughs> right. Like, yeah. To know that there's this thing that happens called the rut, right? Yeah. So we, uh, we tried... what is your dad going to do when that thing decides that you're no longer my mother anymore? Well, we've already neutered him. My dad knew. Uh, actually, I was. Home what you can neuter a fucking deer? <laughs> what? We, we neutered him. Called hog rings. Yeah, it's like yeah, you neuter a, a, yeah, a yeah. steer or a hog. We clipped him on there, and a couple weeks later, he didn't have any balls left. Um, <laughs> yeah. Oh, fuck. So, with that being said, we thought doing that would prevent him from growing antlers. Well, sure, shit, he started growing antlers this spring. Yeah. So, because that was the whole thing, I was like, Dad. If he has antlers on on him, that, that can be dangerous because he he walks around and bucks around like you know jumps around yeah. like a dog. And yeah. He doesn't know that. Do they bleed? Does he has he has velvet on him right now. Yeah, I was yeah. actually just home in July. I didn't I didn't see him bleeding. He's, he's not yet. They're four point. Yeah, yeah. Know. But he was still headbutting. Wait, 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 wait. Hold on. Wait, wait. Wait, 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 wait. Hold on. It, he he's a four point. And he's only a year old. Well, he'd be your. Is he a full year right now? He, he'll, this winter he'll be a year and a half because he was born in June last year. That's crazy. He's gonna be a big boy. But uh, he that's is crazy. I mean, can you imagine just coming into somebody in some dude's house for like I don't know to hang out, and then you got like this freaking ten point sitting on the couch, just saying like, "What's up, dude?" Yeah, you walk in. I'm like, "Look at my dogs," you know. And you're like, "All right, they're cute." And I walk into your house, look at my fucking deer. You know, yeah. <laughs> me and my dad's already gone over this. Once he he once he sheds. Uh, his velvet, he's probably not going to let him in the house just because of like the safety aspect of it. I mean, there's so many stories that I've even like read. I actually know someone who got involved with a deer like that, kind of, and they all ended in the same thing. Is once rut happens, it doesn't matter, you know. It's they're, they're sharp bones meant to impale. That's crazy. Yeah. But then, as soon as rut's over, they lose the antlers. They're back to being fucking deers again, you know, frolicking. Yeah, well, they're not a walking will, uh, boner anymore. No, obviously he was he was still too young last year to know if he was going to run off during rut. But this year, we'll we'll see what happens. Um, he's got a collar, so we know he's off limits. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be interesting. Does the community know? <laughs> Don't shoot oh, the collared buck. Uh, you know? Everybody knows. Yeah, it's actually funny. Uh, Next road down, uh, they have a pet deer as well, a buck. But they knew when they neutered him, he never grew antlers. That's crazy. But for some reason, my dad's deer 
kept growing antlers. I bet this is a bigger symbol than uh, what we're just dumbing it down to. Uh, I'm sure. So, I don't know if that's right. Know. Symbol or symbology or metaphor. Symbolism. Right? Yeah. yeah. But uh, the, the the neighbor's daughter, I call him neighbors down the road. Um, deer. He, he doesn't run off. And he's he's been around for five plus years now. Man, I've seen so many of these stupid shows where this guy had a pet buffalo. And same thing, he had a Cadillac that he cut the fucking roof off of so he could put the buffalo in the backseat. Right? And this guy drives around Oklahoma with a damn buffalo in his... Yeah. his guy friggin- on a buffalo. I'm right. Yeah. <laughs> Nice. I forgot about that one. Guy on a buffalo. Uh, and then I've seen things, But it's one of those things, like it's the fascination of we domesticated this wild animal. Because it's the same thing with like, look at Mike Tyson with a tiger or Siegfried. Look at that freaking. Oh my God, dude. That's he a thinks he's a dog. That's a big deer. You got to post that look on that page growth. after the, we put, after we, after we publish this, you got to yeah. post that on there. Look at those antlers. Dude, yeah, he sent us a video last year of him in the stand. How many miles did you say you were from where your house was to your stand? So my famous uh, butt killer stand is it's little less than a half mile as a, as a crow flies from the house. And I was up there that morning. It was getting late. It was getting around nine. wasn't really seeing much. And uh, I hear something. I look over, and it's Mac. And he followed the same exact trail I walked up. He smelt me out. Walked right up. So at least you had to wear with all to realize that's your deer. Because could you imagine you freaking knocked down your dad's yeah. pet deer? Yep, that's why well, he's so, got a collar. But in, he, he followed me straight up there. You put a bell it's, on that collar. <laughs> and he's just, uh, he stood right under my stand. I have videos of it. It's the most hilarious thing. I think what, like, the other funny part about it was that was your reaction in the video. What are you doing, bud? <laughs> uh, <laughs> does he like sleep in your parents' bed with him? No. <laughs> no. Hey, hey, uh, come on, Derek. Don't be ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Why, why would that ever be a thing, you know? <laughs> no. He, he uh, usually stays outside at night. He'll either sleep on the porch or he'll go up on the hill. I wonder if does he like mope when it's time to go outside? <laughs> all right, it's nine thirty. We're going to bed, and he Max stands up and he's all like, "Well, <laughs> go outside." His <laughs> antlers gonna get big enough. He's gonna be like, "Make me go outside." <laughs> uh, he does love air conditioning, so during the day he he's in the cabin soaking up the AC. I keep saying that he's, word domesticate right, but we literally turn these animals into bitches. What I mean by that is my dogs today, I took them outside. They were outside for three minutes. Leo was peeing, and he looked at me and started panting. I'm like, bro, you just peed. And he's standing at the door at my office to get back in because of the air conditioning. I get it's 95 degrees out, and you have long hair. But, yeah, he's a baby when it comes to not being out in the AC. He lives lives the best life for a deer, though. That's the most full deer. So what's the long-term goal, then? You're just gonna have this deer for, because what? How long do deer actually live? I've, uh, I've read articles. Eleven, 10, ten to twelve. Yeah, yeah. Like twelve is max. I have a friend who shot an elk, and uh, they estimated to be sixteen years old. Really? Had two teeth left. I believe that's why most animals die, is because they they lose their molars. Yeah. Most um. Well, if, if if that's the closest thing to 
Well, I guess actually technically just about any way that a deer or that any animal dies is natural causes technically because they're either being killed by another animal, natural, um, or they die of starvation because they don't have teeth, natural, or any sort of disease that they would catch in the wild is also natural. So, I mean, I guess that's kind of a weird way to think about it. To back you up to the second option, which was to die of the lack of teeth and starvation, think of the life that that animal had survived and been through to get to that point. Oh, and, that's, and now that's how he dies? Oh, and, that's... and especially a place where that has bears and cougars, predation, yeah. right? And then you survived for 16 years avoiding bears, and all of a sudden you lose your teeth, and you're like, damn, this is it? <laughs> you know? Oh, Fuck. I can't <laughs> grind this freaking grass anymore. How long I mean, do you, what, what about ducks? Aren't they like five years? No. So if you look up the uh, all the band surveys when people call the bands in, there's duck there, there's ducks uh, fifteen to twenty years, geese even longer. 20, I mean, 20 I figured years. avians live forever, right? But I just figured ducks. I don't know why I thought they didn't live that long. Oh, they do. Twenty years for a goose. Yeah. How many bands have you shot, Jade? Zero. Same. One. We got one. I called it in. It was from freaking Washington, literally like 10 miles away from where we were. <laughs> but it was from, I think it was a four-year-old duck. So that was uh, cool. What species? Uh, mallard. Mallard. Yeah, green head. I got it mounted, and I'm actually waiting. At, the taxidermist has had it for like five years now, too. Because when I lived in England, I didn't take it with me. So uh, he's had it for a while. But hey, you I need got to get the him back. Yep. Yeah, I got, a, I got a deer sitting in the taxidermist right now. My old boss done. Uh, just moved, and they moved to Hawaii. And his wife said, uh, we're downsizing our house, so you need to get rid of things. And he just gave me a mount. It's from high school. Him and his dad killed this buck together. It's a massive Texas buck. And he just gave it to me. It's not something you give away. I where, know, right? Where, where is this buck? It's in my office now. Oh. I'm going to hang it up tomorrow. Oh, okay. So this is brand new. I'll, I'll come yeah. by. I think yeah. I'm coming by tomorrow, so I'll come check it out. Yeah, yeah. You, you're going to come by? Yeah, I don't think I'm gonna roll because I'm pretty sure I still got blisters on my shoulders. But <laughs> yeah, whatever, you but can like, still roll. Uh, I mean, with enough peer pressure, I probably will. You're gonna that roll. or enough whiskey. I don't know yeah. one of the two. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I want to come check this thing out, so I'll come by tomorrow. Yeah, he literally just gave it to me. He's like, "Here you go." Wife said I can't bring it with me, and I'm looking at it like, man, this is a really nice buck. And so he signed it and everything. I was like, "All right, cool. I'll keep it forever. I'll keep it." You see, I. I like this stuff. Yeah. His, so. Have you been to his office yet? I, I have not. So You're missing it, out. It, it's basically he's turned it into a Cabela's as far as all the mounts that he has in there now. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Which is fitting. For his a lot job, of so. dead heads. Things that I found. I actually just cleaned my garage preparing for a, a new investment that I just bought. Oh, that's uh, right. Yeah. More on that later. And I've literally found a tote that I completely forgot about. I opened it up and it's just full of antlers. Just sheds that I've always found. Man, these are amazing, nice sheds, plus all the ones I have in my office, you know. I just literally have a tote of sheds out in the garage. Now, these sheds, would you find these sheds actually shed hunting or would you just stumble upon them in the most random times? Both. I Both. cheated. I had a yellow lab that I raised to be a duck dog, shed hunting dog. And I just thought, like, I'm wasting my fucking time. This dog's dumb. No, I used to go up to an area where we uh, would train slash I hunted and I'd be out scouting, putting out cameras, putting up tree stand, whatever it was. And I would just kick my dog out and I'd give him the command, find it, find it, find it, kick him out. There's one time I was like, I lost my freaking dog. 
and he came back with a femur bone, massive femur. This puppy is a year old, and I'm like, where did you find that? Find it. And I followed him, and there was a, a moose that someone had poached, and it's so sad because it's a monster bull. The base of it, I think I measured, is like five and a half inches across on the most skinniest part where they cut the antler. Jesus Christ. Yeah, so five and a half inches across, right? So uh, I have the skull still. I ended up keeping the skull, but they would have just chopped the, the rack and left. And like someone poached it. And you could see there was a shot, you know, it broke its rib and everything. Yeah. And I was like, oh, it's so upsetting. But the stupid dog, you know, literally I thought like, just a dumb dog. He's a puppy still. No, he was, I'd go up to the, the, the woods man and I would kick him out. He would find me so many sheds. I feel you on the moose. I posted a picture today um, on one of our announcements just for the sake of putting a picture out there of that buck. Um, my dad had just bought this property and like, as far as like the grand scheme of acreage and everything, it's, you know, it's not, it's not much, it's not a whole bunch, but it's more than what we've ever had. We've never had our own private land that we can hunt on. So my dad buys this property and we are all super excited to finally have our own piece of land to hunt. And, um, you know, early in the, you know, throughout the summer, we had bought some trail cams just to kind of see what was out there. And we never saw something, anything. We saw some, we saw some does, we saw some smaller bucks and everything. Well, um, one morning I actually woke up to the notification of the, of the camera taking the picture and sending it to my phone. Cause I had a satellite camera and, uh, I'm, I wake up to the notification and, you know, I'm kind of looking at it through like one eye or whatever. And I just, I see something that catches my eye and I was like, what the fuck click on it. And it's just this picture of this bruiser of a buck, um, right there on our property. And like, I'm instantly awake now and I get super excited about it. Like I, I send it to like, uh, my brother and my dad. I'm like, do you guys look what's up there right now? Like we have this on our property. Like, holy shit. We're like gun season's going to be soon. I'm going to be there for it. We're going after this thing. Like I'm holding out for them. Right. Well, get up there for gun season. And actually it was funny. So before gun season, Jade was actually in my hometown and um, because of his uh, past abilities for killing bucks, I did not offer him the land because well, I did it. What you did, and then about an hour later, you called me back. You, you know what? No, you're you're not stepping foot on that land. Did I offer it to you? You did. Oh, yes. that sucks. And I feel bad about it. But like, because so that's messed up, man. <laughs> it is a little messed up. I didn't think I even offered it to you. No, I, I definitely remember the, the phone call. Oh, well, now I feel bad. Anyway, uh, well, because it was shit. You kill, you've killed, hell, two within five minutes of each other. Yeah. <laughs> it's like. That's quite luck. Yeah, so I was like, I am not letting him get the first buck on our property. <laughs> so, um, anyway, so I denied Jade, and then I go up there. And all week long, I've got deer in front of me every evening, every morning. Does even a pretty nice younger buck, um, but never this big dude, never. And I, I don't know, I don't know, just I guess I, I had the discipline and decided not to go for him. So after a whole week of gun season, I don't fire a shot. Um, well. Coming to find out, 
that deer had been that deer had been poached. Um, we assume it was poached because it was shot, and um, the other person who the person who owns the land actually came to talk to my dad. I was like, hey, I want to show you something, and showed him, and like my dad knew instantly what deer that was, like that was laying on him because they only took his head, and you could see, you know, where that where where it had been shot, and like the guy was like, yeah, you know, nobody's supposed to be hunting out here, so that was super disheartening, especially because. You know, we were super excited for this to be our first opportunity. I held out on so many potential deer I could have killed, just does, could have got meat in the freezer or whatever. But this is where it gets tricky, right? I do not poach. I always abide by the law because that promotes ethical, healthy population, hunting standards, all of the above, right? But at the same time, how many times has like the game warden come across me and it's just like, man, another freaking time. Like even the other day at Bowers Beach, they got us, they pulled us over. Uh-huh. And it's just like one of those things like, come on, man, like I'm I'm doing the right thing. But I get they're doing their job, right? Right. But it's like I'm so glad that they're there to stop that because fuck poachers, man. Dude, I was uh, I was heartbroken to hear it. Yeah. Um and then, yeah, I actually at Bowers, I actually got stopped by a, a guy recently, my first ever encounter. Yeah, because um, you told me that story, and then we just had it happen again the following week. We were out there, and it was kind of funny, his response. We pulled up to the boat ramp there, and they're like, oh, you guys out here just doing training? Okay. Didn't even check anything. But it was the fact that they went out of their way to pull over to come up to us and talk to us. And it's like, how many times have I been fishing, lobstering, whatever it was, and they always pull you over, and it's such a process. It's like, I'm glad you're doing your job, but you can see, like, we're legal. You don't have to check every single, do you have a whistle? Do you have an air horn? You know, like, everything, right? It's like every freaking thing. But at the same time, it's like, I'm glad they're there because how many of these stories, they, they had a guy they freaking cased for years down in uh, the Florida Keys. And I, I don't want to butcher the story, but he got, like, 15 years in prison because he was harvesting lobsters illegally all year long and selling them. And they just let him do it. And they built the case and finally got the numbers up. And they're like, yep, time to take them down. It's like, so I'm glad they're there. Yeah. Jade, okay, I'm sure has. T- talking about game wardens over here. <laughs> uh oh. Jade has some different experiences. I don't know of any stories of Jade encountering a game warden where he doesn't get a ticket. <laughs> uh, there's been, there's been some. So, how many times have you gotten a ticket from a game warden? Well, I've been here in Delaware for seven years. I've probably been stopped. This is a generous number, probably thirty times between <laughs> between game wardens and coast guard. How and does the coast guard are, stop you? They they have just as much right. Well, no, I understand. Yeah, but I mean, like, uh, what are you? Safety. Where are you at? Where are you? Lewis, they're doing safety checks. That's crazy. Uh, out of those 30 times, I've gotten eight tickets. Eight tickets? Yeah. In Delaware. Yeah. I told you I meant one. I've I've only ever encountered a game more than one time, and that was this year. Uh, I'd say six of those tickets were just uh, ignorance on my part. Uh-huh. And That's the hardest part, too, because yes. it hurts the most. The other two, I thought I was going to be slick and, you know, 
oh, I'm just going out real quick. I don't need this extra life jacket. Or um, the the last ticket I got, I didn't have a whistle in my kayak, which I was using with. I was using so I was duck hunting, and instead of like taking the boat out every time to go retrieve the ducks, I was like, I'm just gonna bring the kayak with. Just kayak out there to get the ducks. Well. I didn't have a life jacket or a whistle in the kayak. Although I had life jackets and whistles the boat. in the boat, Jesus, I got man. a ticket for not having one in the kayak, which I openly admitted. Yes, I was using the kayak, just going out there, retrieve the ducks, and coming back real quick. A lot more efficient than breaking the boat out. So that's a perfect both, example. You're not using the boat at the same time. You're yeah, using yeah. one, and you're just yeah. taking a life jacket from that. Which, but, at the time, I didn't know, so I openly admitted, no, I didn't have a life jacket on when I went out there. So it's, you know, it's knee-deep. I have life jackets in the boat, though. Yeah. No, still got a ticket. I mean, I've been fishing how many mornings now, and I don't wear a life jacket in my kayak, and I found out you know, you're supposed to be wearing one. No, at, mm-hmm. at all times, if you're on that kayak, you're supposed to have it. Yeah. And, that, and, the, and the life jacket better have a whistle. Yes. Because my whistle is in the tackle box. But this oh. is where it gets tricky, right? Because I was like, I'm so glad we have these game wardens. Come the fuck on. You don't have a whistle and they need to ruin your day and give you a ticket and make it such a big event because you didn't have a whistle. And same, the lakes I'm fishing are four feet deep. Stand up. That's standard for Delaware. Yeah, stand up. I think the deepest lake I fished, the deepest part of a lake I fished is seven feet at Silver Lake, probably. Yeah, yeah. right there at the dam. Hell, we've been out in Bowers and it doesn't get deep, much deeper. Like, no, it no. doesn't get deeper than that. No. Right there. Like, that's the fucking Delaware Bay in that end over there. They literally walk out to the life raft. I have 150 meters offshore, and they walk out to it. Yeah, like you walk. <laughs> Actually, crazy story about Bowers Beach for the first time ever. We uh, we had jellyfish. Really? Oh, yeah. I'll show you this crazy video. Everyone's ones are... everyone started getting stung, and I'm like, quit, oh. yeah, quit whining. Like you're fine. There's probably sea lice or something. And it wasn't until I jumped in the water and I woke. I'm like, what the fuck? Uh, there were some good sized jellies out there, man. Is it incoming tide? Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. I've never seen. I've never seen them. Same. I've never seen, never seen them. Look at that. Yeah, I was just down in Lewis. Oh there, damn! Right? There were some big ones down there. Whoa! That's that thing is that's bigger than my laptop. Oh yeah. really? Yeah, yeah. They had some smaller ones too. This one was like the size of a softball. So Dude, that thing was big. Looks like neon. Its tentacles were probably like six, seven feet long. I believe it. But that one had no tentacles. I was trying to pick it up. I was trying to put my hands underneath it and like get it. Where fuck, I don't want to get lit up by this thing. Bowers, man. Yeah, they're actually uh, they're starting to dredge the canal out there. Yeah, from the mile marker all the way into the. Uh, it's the a mess inlet. out there. It's a mess. It's so um, disgusting. Um, we catch all the sharks, though. Yeah, yeah. Actually, so, we were watching them do it off the jetty this last week. So I'm acquaintance with a guy who owns the land up to the jetty there, and he owns the house, the first house there. And growing up, his family owned the entire beach there, and since then they've parceled it out and sold it, whatever. So talking with him, he's like, every three to five years, I spend my own money, about a hundred to two hundred thousand dollars, and I bring dump trucks in him, dump and refill the sand on this beach. Yeah. Like, what? I've seen him. I've seen him do that. What? He's like, yeah, like my family forfeits that bill, so you guys can enjoy the beach. Yep. We tried the sea oats thing, grow the sea oats and make the sand dunes. That was a big fail. He's like, that's all of our money. What? He's like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I've uh, it's called shoaling there at the mouth of the yeah. inlet. Um, I've been here for seven years. I could, I could tell a difference now. Even in my boat, twenty-five horse uh, outboard, I can't make it out of the inlet during low tide if I'm not planed off. 
I do like it though because with our jet skis, that makes some great waves. Tide sucking in or out. Yeah, they have some solid rollers coming through there, and we'll just. I remember it used to be six six foot plus there during low tide, and now it's uh, less than three feet. So that's why they're because that charter can't come wow. in and out. And that's Is that crazy? They're yeah. it now. Actually, it's so bad that we had a guy bringing a jet ski in, and a guy was fishing right there. And his line was in the water, and the jet ski ran over his line and pulled his whole rod into the water. Really? And he was so mad. I'd be pissed too. I would be too. And then the guy driving the jet ski was like, "What was I supposed to do?" I'm like, "How fucking close were you then to his freaking line?" I I think I know how fishing poles work, right? Like, <laughs> I'm not new here. You were obviously close to him, and he was like, "No, I was on the complete opposite side." I'm like, well, unless he had floating line and was using a fly rod. Yeah, and no, I guarantee he wasn't. He's shark fishing. It's 100 yards across there. Yeah. Yep. And uh, he hit his line, yanked his whole rod in the water, and he was like, and I'm the asshole? Yes, yes you, are. you are. Yes, you are. As a matter of fact, you are. And they're trying. No, he's the asshole for fishing the inlet. Bro. No. Bro. Yeah, what the inlet was made for, why they put the new rocks there. <laughs> Bro. He was on the wrong side anyways. If he was trying to stay in the, sh- in the channel, he'd be on the left side going in. Further out, yeah. Oh, well. All right, guys. Well, I mean, that was a pretty solid conversation. We're at. Uh, I do have. Uh, can I add one more thing that happened today? Oh, so did you it. see my video I posted of the uh, the bass I caught this morning? Yes. So uh, I went fishing with a uh, old rifle, or I call him rifle now. So I took old rifle out, and we were doing a quick little. Hey, whoever can catch the most wins. Everything's a competition to me. Everything, right? Yeah. Why not? Right. It's, Make it fun, make it challenging. So we went out, and the second fish I caught today, uh, I'm summertime bites really difficult right now. So I'm putting a Texas rig, and I'm using big worms, and I'm in a kayak, so I go very far up into the areas where boats can't go. So like uh, all the knockdown trees, I'm on the the water line between like the the bank. And these knockdown trees. I'm to the point where I will lay down in my kayak to go underneath these knockdown trees. And I'm just throwing my worm up in there and I'm pulling out decent fish. So uh, today I pulled out this fish and I'm using such a big worm that you have to let them swallow it. Yeah. So don't just hit it. Like they're usually hitting the tail. So I'm using an 11 inch worm. So they have to really gut this freaking worm. So I let them swim away with it and I'll set the hook. So this was a bad hook set and it swallowed the hook pretty bad. So what I always do is because that happens so much to me lately, cut the line pull the weight off, get the worm off, and then I'll finish pulling the hook through the throat. And I'll usually fish through the gills there, no pun intended. And uh, I'll get the hook to feed through the gills, and I can cleanly pull it out that way. Yeah, I don't want to hurt the fish. Right. But today I'm working on this fish, get the hook out, and I look, and it was reacting to me messing with its throat, and it started vomiting up a worm. And I saw it as I'm, I'm lipping the fish. I'm looking down like, what is that? And it kept like convulsing, like trying to vomit. And every time it did, this worm kept making its way out. I'm like, what the heck is this? So I pull out my phone. I start recording it. I'm like, look at this. I'm pulling a hook out of this fish. And while I'm doing it, it's puking up another lure right now. It's, it was a, a, a it's a plastic. Yeah, it was literally yeah, it was a, a Yamamoto Senko. And I was like, what is this? And I pan back over to my lap. I'm like, well, it's not mine. Look, my worm's right here. And just as I did, the fish started uh, like flopping around. And it made this like burping noise. And I look and it had projectile vomit, the Senko into my lap. And I was like, 
this thing just puked on me and it's another worm. It's like, man, every time I go out to the outdoors, it's always something new. That's why I love what we do, right? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's always cool when you're just sitting there hanging out. Like one of my favorite moments of hunting last year, I was over at Milford Neck Gray Farm Track when we were actually allowed to hunt at this time. (laughs) And um, I'm sitting in one of those blinds. I've got a cup of black coffee sitting on my lap. I'm just sitting there. It's sun's not up yet. I'm waiting. It's nice cold. It's nice cold morning. I hear an I hear an eagle behind me waking up, you know, doing the little it's little chatter. I'm sitting there drinking a coffee and like the sun's starting to come up. I'm like, this is pretty fucking awesome. Yeah, that's life. That is the life right there. Can't wait, man. Cannot wait. We are a month away from this shit being real. Gonna open up with dove season and then work our way into the deer. Yep. Can't wait. And I can't imagine it any other way. Hell yeah. All right, guys. That's going to be it for us. Uh, Thanks for uh, messing around with us. Uh, As we posted on the page, you guys, don't forget we have this fishing tournament tournament coming up. We are exactly a month away from that. So let's uh, get signed up for it so we can figure out where we're going. Um, uh, Other than that, Derek, you got anything? No. Jade? I just want to say thanks for having me, guys. You like it? Was it fun? Yeah, it's nice. I think we should. Uh, I mean, worst case often. scenario, we hung out, told some stories, and drank some uh, bourbon, right? Yeah. And just sound a little bit stupid on Spotify <laughs> or whatever, <laughs> or wherever people listen to this from. All right, guys, that's gonna be all. See ya. <laughs>